Howdy, welcome back to another episode of our weekly podcast. We know you've got a buffet of media to choose from each week. That's why we put a lot of effort into finding stories from the Bible that have relevant lessons for us today. I hope you enjoy. Well, today I'm going to start with a story. It's a very special story to me. And most of you probably know that we have a lot of animals at home. And they're all special, but every once in a while something happens that kind of makes an impact. And this time in particular, our turkey Giselle was sitting on a bunch of eggs. And we have turkeys, we have chickens, we have guineas, we have ducks, a lot of birds. And sometimes when one of them lays an egg in a corner, they all get excited and decide they're all going to lay an egg in that same spot. So Giselle was not only sitting on turkey eggs, she was sitting on duck eggs and chicken eggs as well. So for turkeys, they have to sit on their eggs for about 28 days or so before something will hatch. So I thought, you know what, she's doing her job, she's sitting on them. If they hatch, they hatch. If they don't, it's okay. So about 28, 30 days later, I went out there and she was up walking around and she had little turkeys following her. And I was like, this is so exciting. That's great. So I thought the rest of those eggs, probably not good. I honestly just didn't think about them, left them sitting there. And the next day I thought I should probably collect these. Now at that time, I don't know why, I didn't think about checking to see if some of those eggs maybe actually had something in them. But because the time had kind of passed for um, other turkeys to hatch or other chickens to hatch or even ducks to hatch, I said, all right. I put all the eggs in a trash bag, tied it, and I put it in the back of Jared's truck. And at that time of year, it was, I think it was in May, and so it was warm outside. It sat there all Thursday night, all Friday, and Jared went out there Friday evening. I actually had my friends in town as well, and he heard chirping. And he thought, well, what in the world? Where is this chirping coming from? Why is there chirping? And he walked to the back of his truck and heard more chirping. Well, lo and behold, two of the eggs were ducklings that had hatched inside the bag. Of course, Jared immediately was like, killer trying to kill the eggs, trying to kill the chickens. I'm like, I did not know, right? Two little ducks hatched, which was amazing. I think just because they were probably in the heat and they were incubated. And since it was tight, there was humidity in there. Animals are amazing. God made animals to be amazing. So they hatched in these unperfect conditions. Sadly, one of the little ducks did not make it. And so the one little duck was alone And I was like, well, it can't be alone. One thing I feel like I've learned just from having animals in general, they need need a friend. It's really sad when an animal is by itself. I don't think they thrive and do as well. So I, at that point, was working at the hospital. And I said, Jared, you got to help me. You got to do something. Go to Tractor Supply, because that's where we go when you need anything farm-related, Tractor Supply. So Jared went, and they somehow sold him one chicken, because usually there's a minimum. He got one chicken brought it home to be with the duck. So the duck was named Milo, and chicken for some reason just was chicken. I never really named her. She ended up being a hen, and Milo ended up being a drake, which is a male duck. So as this is like two and a half years ago, 
these two became inseparable because they grew up together. And what's really interesting is they obviously weren't of the same kind. They weren't the same gender. They weren't, like, they were the complete opposite of what you would imagine. But every night when Chicken perched on the, you know, her little roosting bar, Milo is right under, right? All the time. You see Chicken going out, Milo's right there. And there's different dynamics in animals. Ducks, drakes especially, the male ducks, sometimes can be aggressive to hens if you have them in a mixed flock. And sometimes Milo wasn't very nice to some of my other hens, but he never, never was unkind to Chicken. Chicken was his best friend. And you know what's nice about Chicken too? Chicken is the most, like, if any of you have chickens, you would know. It's a thing. Like, once you start with one, you got to get more. And there's, like, fancy chickens. There's fluffy chickens. This is plain chicken. The most plain. She's not ugly, but she's not pretty. She's plain white, nothing special. One of just the random breeds. But to Milo, I think she's the best chicken because it's, it's his friend. It's who he grew up with. And it's interesting to me just to see what friendship can develop in animals and how they don't care what the other animal looks like or where they come from because that's their friend, right? I looked up in the dictionary the definition of two words that I'm going to focus on today. And the first one is the definition of loving. It says feeling or showing love or great care. That's loving. The definition of lovable is inspiring or deserving of love and affection. So today is December 31st. We think about a new year. And I want us all to ask ourselves a question. Do we feel that we are loving and lovable? When someone is around us, when they interact with us, are they encouraged? Do they feel loved? Do they feel seen? I read something where it said that people will never believe you love them if they feel you don't like them. And I think that's pretty strong because you can tell someone, I love you, but if your actions don't show that, they're not going to believe you. A report that came out in October of this year, so just about eight weeks ago, found that the large number of people in the United States who practice Christianity or claim to be Christians is declining. The religion's demographic has been dwindling since the 1990s, this report said, and as many adults transition, they are transitioning into an identity of atheist, agnostic, or basically just nothing in particular. The study, which was conducted by the Pew Research Center, said that in the 90s, 90% of U.S. adults identified as Christians, which is a lot. I would say most of the majority of the United States is Christians. In 2007, that had gone down to 78%, and today that number is down to like 64%. So in just that amount of time, when you ask someone, what do you identify as, Christian is, is not up there anymore. It's going down. I feel like I've done a lot of different, I don't know, things or adventures or careers and things in my life. And sometimes the most disappointing moments that I've had with someone have been with someone of my same faith. Or the most I've been let down or discouraged 
has been with someone of my same faith or someone to claim to believe the same as I. So it's like, why is that? And I'm applying this to myself, right? Mahatma Gandhi once said, and this quote I think is so powerful, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. I'll read it one more time. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's powerful. I feel like Jesus was the most loving, the most accepting person of anyone on this planet. I think he was the most loving and lovable. Are we loving and lovable as he was? Another article I found um, surveyed non-Christians, people that don't claim to be Christians at all. And there was a common theme in the top three things they felt that they don't like the most about Christians. And this is kind of hard to read because, you know, you want to be proud of what you believe in and what you represent. And when you hear what other people think, it's like, wow, that's strong. So I'll start. The first number one reason people don't like Christians is because they judge. They judge each other or they judge you. I know I've done that. If you spend time on social media, or it's funny, even Jared is mentioning some of the commentary to people, you know, when you talk about certain religious beliefs, it's the people that believe in God that have the harshest comments. And very strong, very unkind. I think very few people get judged into changing their life. I think far more people get loved into changing their life. So think about that, being loving, being lovable. In Matthew, I'm going to turn to Matthew 7, 1 to 4. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. I feel like these are some of the strongest words that Jesus gave. I think it's easy to cast judgment on someone that might not look the same as us, might not think the same as us. But I think if we are loving and lovable to them and let Jesus be the one that judges, we can have a greater impact. The number two reason this survey said that non-Christians don't like Christians is because they are hypocritical. So I know at many times I can apply this to myself. I have claimed to be one way or I think I'm one way and maybe that's not how I act in all situations. So if someone has heard me claim something and then they see me doing different, what is that? I think our actions speak louder than words, right? So recently, at the beginning of December, I'll tell you one of my stories where I failed at this miserably. Um, Jared, Ava, and I traveled a really short trip and we had to go through the airport which I feel is not my favorite place to be. 
And I'm just going to admit, TSA, not my favorite thing to go through. It's not. It's almost like I was mentally preparing myself. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be awkward. I'm sure many of you have experienced it. It's just a lot. We went. It was fine on the way there. Yay, no problems. While we were there, someone gifted Ava a super fun little, um, it was like a gardening kit. It had a little shovel, a little tiny rake, like little bugs and a magnifying glass, and it was about this big. And I have to give you a little information. When you travel with Jared, you do carry-on. You don't check a bag. So if your trip is like 10 days long, you take carry-on, and you just hope all you brought lasts you long enough. If you are gone for a day, then you got like lots of options in your carry-on. Do you know what I mean? So Ava had her little carry-on, and inside of that, I put that little thing. So we're headed back. It's great. Also, Jared um, doesn't like flying, but since he flies more than I, he's got all those special things he's paid for so he can go like right through. Doesn't have to take his shoes off, doesn't have to take out his laptop, all of those things. I did not have this special thing. So Jared had gone through, he was waiting for me on the other side, and I go through the TSA line, and they flag Ava's bag. And I was thinking, why in the world did they flag her bag? They take out that little kit, and you know, they're like, is this yours, ma'am? Yes, that is, that is mine, gardening kit, yes. And he opens it, and he's like, what are these? I'm like, well, they're gardening tools, baby gardening tools. They were like this big. I'm going to have to scan these again. Sure, no problem. You go right ahead. It's fine. He scans them again. He comes back. If these were plastic, I could let you take them. But since they're metal, we're not going to let you take these on. Well, at that point, I could feel myself. And it's funny, man, there's the one thing that gets me hot is, I don't know why, this TSA thing at the airport. And I was like, okay. Well, at that point, she's crying because it's her toys. It's like, and he was, and I was like, trying to tell myself, don't say anything rude. Don't say anything rude. And Jared, I think, is laughing at this point because he knows I look like I'm just so annoyed. I don't really know exactly what I said, but it was something to the effect of like, well, I'm sorry, I was not aware that gardening tools were weapons, and I just went off on the guy. And thinking on it now, Jared said I wasn't very nice, <laughs> and I wasn't the best example of what I could have been. And you know what? What's crazy is, I feel like maybe we need to ask God to give us more situations like that where we're put in an awkward situation. That's where our true character shines. Because if I would have tried to witness to that person and say something encouraging, he would have paid no attention to me after the way I acted to him, towards him. So being hypocritical, saying we're one way, doing something different. Um, I think we learn about our character when our patience is tried. And we need to live what we preach. Um, I'm going to go to 1 John 4.20. Let me see if I can find it here. One second. Da, da, da. Hold on, I'm almost there. All right. My hand. 
hands are so dry. Okay, first four. It says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So let's just think of that and being hypocritical. If we don't love our own and we're not a good example to our own, you know, how, what are people going to think of us? Are we loving? Are we lovable? The third and final thing in that survey that said non-Christians don't like about Christians is that they stink at friendship. We don't tend to share meaningful friendships with people who are not of our own faith. We tend to stay in our own close circle of friends. It's just easier. And as an end result, most interactions non-Christians have with us are situational or just observed, but not true friendships. Jesus pursued friendships with people who were very different than him. They had different lifestyles. He was their friend. He went to their house for dinner. I have to ask myself the question, and you can ask yourself the question, when is the last time you had someone who was not the same political party as you over for dinner, who was not the same race as you over for dinner, or who does not share your value systems over for dinner, or let's just say, or meet them for lunch, or go do something with them. Think of Milo and Chicken, right? They didn't care that they were different from each other. They didn't care that they looked different from each other. They were friends, no matter what. John 15, 12 to 13 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. If we don't truly love someone, how are we going to make a difference in their life? So one of the most influential, influential Americans to have ever lived, according to the Smithsonian, was Ellen White. And she wrote this quote. It says, The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. I'll read it again. The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. That's found in Ministry of Healing, page 470. How do we become a loving and lovable Christian in 2023? How do I become a loving and lovable Christian in 2023? How can I show warmth and kindness and love to others? How do I become someone that's lovely to be around and not irritated at the TSA worker? I think it comes down to asking God to reside in our hearts. It is 100% not something we can do on our own. I don't think, I think we're inherently like not nice. And I think it 100% is saying, God, please come into my life. I can't do this for myself. Please helping, help me be loving and lovable to everyone I come across. Help me to have a love for others so much that they want to live a life like mine. So that when they interact with me, they say, wow, they're different. They're special. I want to do that. 
1 John 4, 8 says, he who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. So if God is love, I was trying to think, what, what kind of things can we maybe do? What can give us a little more information? And I thought of 1 Corinthians 13. You can turn there with me. Um, I think a lot of times we refer to 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter. But if we replace the word love for the word God, because God is love, let's read it a little different. Let's start in verse um, four. We'll replace love for the word God. So God suffers long. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not parade himself. He is not puffed up. God does not behave rudely. God does not seek his own. God is not provoked. God thinks no evil. God does not rejoice in iniquity. He rejoices in truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things, and he endures all things. God never fails. So if God never fails us, and God is love, and we ask God, please come into my heart. Help me to be like you. Then we can ask ourselves how in 2023 we can be more patient? God, help me. How can I be more kind? How can I not boast? Am I proud? Am I rude? Am I self-seeking? Am I angered? Do I keep a record of wrongs? Do I delight and rejoice in the good? Do I always protect? Do I trust? Do I always hope? Do I always persevere? Do I fail? I think if we apply this to ourselves, it kind of gives us a measure of how we can be more loving, more kind to others in this next year. Are we loving? Are we lovable? In this year, let's ask God more than ever to help us be that way. I talk to Ava all the time about heaven, and she always tells me, when's Jesus coming? And I think if we are not loving and lovable, it won't be soon. Let's seek after these qualities and remember that the strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Thank you so much for listening. We record these messages each week at the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Adairsville. And if you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you. Stop in and say hi and enjoy some good Southern food with us. We'll see you next week.